Eat it fried or pureed or in pasta or as a dip or even a soup with bananas. Eggplant is a very versatile ingredient. That's right, it's an ingredient episode. The most common eggplant is that big purple one, but there are many more. Today's episode is an introduction to the eggplant. Hello, eggplant. That purple one we all can find, and some ways to handle it, and some ways to cook it. All by its onesie, it isn't much, but with friends and flavor accomplices, it can steal your heart and leave flavor memories. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, Episode 87. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Hello, folks. Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Amble over to my podcast's page, culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts. To find all the previous shows, show notes, pages. Each link has an embedded MP3 player and links mentioned on that show. At the top of the page, you'll see the icons for the various social media tabs. You can follow the Culinary Libertarian on Twitter or Pinterest or Instagram or join the Eating Liberty Facebook group. We've got cooks and bakers in there sharing tips and recipes and successes and some failures, but that's how you get success. Come join us and show off your food. Click the word support on the podcast page and visit the support page. There you'll find the podcatcher icons which carry the Culinary Libertarian podcast as well as some affiliate banners. Both the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom and the Clanhan Academy offer subscription content with courses in American history and politics. Liberty Classroom has many more courses, but both programs are designed to be consumed by serious students interested in learning those subjects omitted in school. You'll also find a banner for Kiko's Cakes. You know, Dad will want something amazing for Father's Day. Kiko's excellent instruction can empower you to make amazing. And my Cranky Without Coffee mug store has the perfect Father's Day mug. Another way you can support the show is with a rating and a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. By sheer coincidence, today's episode is about another nightshade plant, the eggplant. If botanical history is interesting to you, and up to a degree it interests me, the eggplant is a great plant to study. The eggplant seems to have started in a few places, and there are many varieties of the species. The places are Africa, India, Asia, and the Middle East. The how of seeds traveling is not the subject of this episode. What is for this episode is the variety of eggplants you may be able to find in your store. The most popular, of course, is the big purple eggplant. But wait, there's more. 
Notwithstanding what your grocery store actually carries, there are about eight eggplant varieties available, even if not to you. By the way, before I tell you what they are, today shopping in my local Toomey supermarket, not the great big massive chain, there was the purple eggplants, there was Thai eggplants, and Chinese eggplants. I had to go to the big mega chain, which had only the purple one. So it is possible, even in a small town, to get some diversity, but you have to look. So quickly, the varieties include, in no particular order, the graffiti eggplant, the Italian, Japanese and or Chinese. They're very similar in appearance, but slightly different. Fairy tale, the white, which is the reason the plant is called the eggplant. Indian, little green, and Thai. Now, that Thai eggplant is a little teeny round green eggplant, and it can be, well, maybe the size of a squash ball, uh, somewhere, say, ping pong ball or golf ball size. Very interesting little guys. I've never cooked one before, so I bought some to find out. So, in addition, to, of course, to those, I've seen and you've seen the big classic eggplant the Chinese, Japanese, and the white. So in addition to what I've already told you, finding the Thai and the Japanese, usually I find the big purple ones, every once in a while the white ones. The white eggplant can get almost as large as the classic one, but those I've seen have usually been a little smaller. If your store has other options, buy them to figure out what to do with them, and then send me an email. And I'll let you know what I did with my little Thai ones. As to what is in the store, select an eggplant which is shiny, smooth-skinned, and a bit heavy for its size. The top piece of the plant, the little green part the, where the stem end is, should be green. The green indicates fresh. The top part is the first visual clue about the age of the eggplant. Eggplants don't age well, and the next signs are wrinkly skin, a uh, soft texture, that green stem end, blossom end is going to start to turn brown and get brittle and pull away from the eggplant. And when you, it, it also will lose some density, and when you squeeze it, it might be kind of squishy and leave a little pressed dimple in the flesh of the eggplant. Leave those behind. You do not want those eggplants. The eggplant is plainly vegetation, but it is not, botanically speaking, a vegetable. It is a fruit. I've read some posts which classify it as a berry. Aside from being annoying at bars, that information isn't really useful, but it is fun. The skin on a purple eggplant gets tougher as the eggplant gets bigger. So even among Italians, there is a difference of opinion about eat the skin or peel the skin. That's up to you. The skin is by far the most bitter part to my taste. And frankly, when cut large, I don't find the skin appealing. And I like bitter flavors, but it's too much even for me. So let's talk a little bit about the bitter. There is no shortage of opinion about the seed quantity and gender 
of the eggplant which may contribute to its bitterness? Well, first off, as fruits, they are genderless, but are the product of gendered flowers. You may have more luck arguing politics than gendered eggplants, for the passion and conviction that many hold about this idea is deeply ingrained. The idea is that eggplants with a round spot on the blossom end are male, and an oval or elongated spot uh, on the bottom indicates female. Now, so we've already discussed the gender, but there is that part does remain. There is a visible difference in how the flower end, blossom end of the eggplant appears. In my own experience, and from posts I've read online to support or refute this idea, there is no agreement. I've read two quotes from the exact same post, both directly opposed in point to the other one. One claimed the male eggplant had more seeds. One claimed the male had fewer seeds. If you don't prefer the bitter taste, which can be mitigated through acidic ingredients in cooking, a common practice is to salt the eggplant slices or dices with kosher salt to draw out the water. Draw out the water it does. How that affects bitter is not clear, and frankly, I'm not certain that it does. Now, in my opinion, and in my experience, salting an eggplant to draw the water out and to get the water removed, dab it with paper towels, that changes the composition of the flesh to make it firmer, and, and when you cook it, it holds together better. So that can be a real benefit if you're making, say, a vegetarian terrine where the outside is whole held together with eggplants, or if you need them for some other reason, that's a useful, that, that helps. Uh, so removing the seeds, regardless of supposed gender, are bitter. So removing them will help reduce the bitterness if that's a goal. One other consideration about bitter is the more mature the fruit is, that is, the bigger it is, the longer it's been on the vine, that tends to increase bitter. Buy fresh, green-topped eggplants, slightly smaller than the rest if that's an option, and use it soon. And since eggplants don't store well for long, as it sits in your cooler, the shiny purple skin turns matte, you may start to see bruises appear under the skin, and that fresh, tight eggplant skin turns slack and squishy. That's not yummy. A bit on the nutritional angle. Eggplants are low in calories in the raw state. Remember, calories may not be the first best dietary element to count. And they are low in protein and carbs and are nearly fat-free. What the eggplant does have are micronutrients, manganese, potassium, vitamin K, vitamin C, B6, niacin, copper, and magnesium, and phytonutrients, and a pigment, and the pigment, anthocyanin, specifically, which is the purple thing. Anthocyanins seem to have a health benefit to reducing cardiovascular disease and also preventing some cancers, and they help boost cognitive function. In the March 2014 edition of Today's Dietitian, 
Dr. Jeffrey Bloomberg, director of the Antioxidants Research Laboratory at the Gene Mayer USDA Human Nutrition Research Center on Aging at Tufts University in Boston comments, quote, while one could argue that the evidence is inadequate to define a specific dietary recommendation, it's clear that consuming anthocyanin-rich foods should be encouraged, end quote. The article is a bit techy, but still readable and contains some pretty interesting content. Some of it is eat your red berries, including the eggplant. I'll put a link to the article on today's show notes page, which is culinarylibertarian.com slash 87. Phytonutrients are described in a July 2019 Very Well Fit post this way. Quote, phytonutrients, also known as phytochemicals, are plant-based compounds or chemicals that have a beneficial effect on the body and may play a role in the prevention and even treatment of disease, end quote. I'll add this article link also to the show notes page. Phytochemicals are basically the plant's immune system, and when we eat that, that helps us. There are some issues, especially for people with thyroid issues, so do your research. In general, phytonutrients from foods are better than phytonutrients phytonutrients from supplements, so says the very well-fit article. I found the article pretty interesting. There is the caution to people with thyroid issues or for people with Hashimoto's disease. I know from talks with Jimmy Clegg, our keto authority, that some folks find nightshade foods inflaming. You have to decide for you, but being informed, of course, makes better decisions. Uh, As an aside, because this is an increasingly interesting topic for me, uh, between phytonutrients and antinutrients, I'm looking at, uh, I think I found, I have found, but I'm looking at having a person speak to us about this in detail. So this is all news and new to me, but we're going to get it straightened out soon. But that's another episode. Let's get into some cooking. Before I discuss the ways to cook eggplants, let's take a moment out for a word from one of my affiliates. Folks, gardening time is here, or almost here. Last week, there was a freeze on the East Coast, but we plant the plants for our lovely gardens anyway. So, some gardens are outside and get lots and lots of room. Some gardens are inside in containers and they get less room. Both kinds of gardens work. And the Gardener Bundle has information for everybody on how to start a container garden or an outdoor garden or a raised bed garden. You would expect gardening information from a gardening bundle, which has 21 ebooks, seven courses, five planners, and printable content. What might be a surprise is content in the gardening bundle about homesteading, about getting off of the grid, or how to make sourdough bread. There's information about canning, what do you do with all of your bounty, as well as information about raising chickens, even in a small space, even in a city. It's the gardening bundle and so much more. Use my affiliate link 
culinarylibertarian.com slash garden bundle or click the banner on the show notes page. Start with the garden that fits your needs and space. Learn how to make the best soil you can for healthy and nutritious vegetables for you and your family. Click culinarylibertarian.com slash garden bundle to get your digital bundle today, Monday, and start your healthy garden. By the way, there is a clock on this. It's good for this week of May 18th through the 22nd. Click culinarylibertarian.com slash garden bundle to start your garden. Now, let's learn about cooking eggplant. A few eggplant dishes come to mind to nearly everyone. Baba ganoush and ratatouille, and no, not rat patootie. Eggplant can be fried, grilled, roasted, sautéed, or boiled. Yes, I know that doesn't sound appealing, but when done correctly, it's amazing. That procedure is required for a quick pickled eggplant dish I tasted in Boston's North End some half a zillion years ago. It was so amazing that when I got back to work in Tallahassee the next week, I set about figuring out exactly what they did. I made an equally good dish, which I'll link to on the show notes page. I mentioned earlier that eggplant is nearly fat-free. That's true. Then comes the cooking. Eggplant is an interesting food. The firm flesh doesn't instantly reveal that it looks and acts just like a sponge. When you put diced eggplant in a hot pan with some oil, that sponge effect comes into play. The tiny air pockets of the eggplant will absorb far more oil than seems likely. As the heat interacts with the plant cellular structure, the plant breaks down, and that collapse of the cell walls pushes all, well, almost all the oil back out into the pan. I want to segue here a moment to talk briefly about extra virgin olive oil. As far as I'm concerned, there is no choice in the matter. Eggplants get cooked in extra virgin olive oil. Unless it's spread into deep fried, then it's peanut oil. If allergic to peanut oil, hand fry in lard. There are also lots of opinions, well, loudly, there are only two. Do or do not fry in extra virgin olive oil. I've heard lots of support in the opposition to such things. Oh, the smoke point is too low. Oh, you have carcinogens. Oh, the flavor profiles. And this and that. Yeah, interesting maybe, but not culinarily relevant. Not to me. The Italians have an amazing dish in the Jewish section of Rome. Cacioffi alla Judea, apologies for the pronunciation, or artichokes in the Jewish style. I've never been to Rome, but I brought Rome to me. I've fried artichoke hearts in extra virgin olive oil, <laughs> and it is sublime. Make sure you have a generous amount of good salt. Flavor is the name of the cooking game, and that's why I use extra virgin olive oil for sautéing eggplant. Now, back to the show. I found some recipes this week which mention ways to minimize the oil. I'm not interested in that. Fat doesn't make you fat. 
extra virgin olive oil is as good a pourable fat as you'll get, and it tastes great. Use as much oil as is necessary, and you'll know quickly if more is necessary when the pan is dry and the eggplant starts to burn. Lower the heat or slide the pan off the heat and add a little bit more oil, and maybe a little bit more. Almost all of it will be released back once the eggplant pieces are cooked, and if you wish, spoon some of that off. I don't do that. It all gets added to the final dish, and it tastes great. Eggplant as a standalone dish is kind of rare. It's not very exciting by itself, but it does so love to make friends. Saucy friends. That spongy characteristic is a feature when it comes to sauces and foods which have flavor to share. That's what makes ratatouille so great. The mixing of flavors. Make it today, eat it tomorrow. Caponata is the same. Caponata is a kind of a uh, small diced sautéed condiment, an antipasto perhaps, and has lots of bold flavors. Eggplants play very well with bold flavors. Capers and garlic and mint and oregano and rosemary and heat and red, you know, like red pepper flakes, uh, tomatoes, um, roasted red bell peppers. Uh, add all of these things or some of these things, oregano to pasta dishes. Diced eggplant and rigatoni together with really great marinara sauce. Oh, man. Have someone bring the wine. Eggplant also makes great purees, such as the previously mentioned baba ganoush. There are as many ways to make baba ganoush as there are people to make it. Some ingredients are kind of necessary. Eggplant, tahini, which is a sesame seed puree, think sesame seed butter, lemon juice, and paprika. You can add pretty much anything you want to, even if the purists object. The key part of baba ganoush is it is a dip, so big chunks of things isn't really what this, this dip is about. Uh, add roasted red bell peppers for flavor and color, some roasted, uh, some some red pepper flakes for some heat, some roasted garlic, or uh, put them, well, there's two ways. This is an impromptu suggestion for two ways to handle garlic cloves. Uh, with extra virgin olive oil, and if you buy the garlic in the uh, in the jars already peeled, cut off little woody ends. No matter what you do to it, it won't cook. It's just going to be it's going to be wood. Throw that away, or put that in your compost. Put your extra virgin olive oil in a small pot, and add the garlic cloves just to, and with enough oil to kind of cover. And on low heat. This is going to take a few minutes. On low heat. Let that garlic boil in the extra virgin olive oil. If you do it on high heat, it'll boil and brown on the outside rapidly, probably go to burn, and the whole thing is trash. You must go slow, but and then when it's nice and brown, take the whole pan off the heat. Remember, this is a carryover cooking situation. That oil in that pan is still hot. Just because it's off the burner doesn't mean the heat disappeared, so you have five minutes of carryover cooking. The other thing to do, which doesn't develop any color on the uh, on the garlic, but does, it's called taming the garlic. Um, put the same thing. Take the little woody ends off the garlic, peeled. 
put them in cold water, bring it to a boil, dump the water out into a strainer, save the garlic, put the garlic back in the pan, water again, boil, strain, fill, boil, strain three times. And what you have left is a, a whole garlic clove that's as soft as can be, but there is a mellowness to the garlic flavor and a sweetness you may not have known existed in garlic. All that harshness is gone, and what remains is just, it's just a thing of beauty. It's just amazing. So it's worth doing. Add those things to your baba ganoush. It is a Mediterranean dish, so anything that is common in the Middle East is fair game for baba ganoush, as far as I'm concerned. Purists, you go to some other show. The important part to get right is the eggplant. I prefer to roast the eggplant in halves instead of roasting them whole, which could lead to an explosion and then a mess. And I'm not a big fan of grilling them whole because it's messy. You have to, the, the skin chars, it's good flavor, it's just a bucket of clean. It's just awful. I, I mean, you're welcome to it. I don't care for it. Place the eggplants, cut side down on an oiled sheet pan, and roast them on a high heat about 400 degrees. Let the eggplant get very soft, then remove everything from the oven. Just take the pan out. That roasting may take half an hour. It could take 40 minutes. Depends on how big your eggplant is. When they are cool enough to handle, but still, you know, a little warm, scoop the eggplant out of the skin and into a wire mesh strainer over a bowl to allow the eggplant to drain. It's interesting that you're going to get more water than you expect from this seemingly fairly dry uh, fruit. The less water in the dip, the more that dip is going to stick to our crudities or scoop nicely with our crackers or whatever else we have or pieces of bread. I'll have a recipe link to a PDF for a babuganish recipe on the show notes page. Eggplant can be made into dips or appetizers, which remain chunky. Caponata is one of those examples. Or Great Aunt Bikia's eggplant dip is another. Now, great Aunt Bikia is the great aunt to guest post author Elvira Salvati. And I'll put a link to that recipe on the show notes page. Uh, and she was, uh, Elvira was very kind. I asked her to share a recipe, and that's what she shared. It's, it's kind of a fun, um, it can be a condiment. It can be a pasta sauce. It can be a dip. So it, it's, it's, it has some versatility to it. Uh, it's, it's, a little, it's a few steps. I'm not going to kid you. It's a few steps, but it's worth doing. That boiling thing. For as delicate as eggplants appear, I expected a complete mess when I did this. In fairness, I had a leg up since the chef told me her procedure, just not the ratios. I peeled the eggplant, the big purple one, and sliced it pretty thin on a mandolin, at least, you know, maybe slightly less than an eighth of an inch. Blanch those slices in salted boiling water until they are visibly changed from the cream white color to a light green color, and they're 
it's not translucent in either case, but it changes the opacity changes. And you'll see you'll see, wow, look at that, that's a it changed. It's almost kind of turns like a light green. Uh, and you'll see that that cell structure change, that's your clue, that's done. What was interesting is it held together. Now, some of it fell apart, but the long pieces stayed long pieces. With the spider or a straining tool, lift the eggplant out of the water, allow it to drain a moment over the pot, and then place it, still hot, into the bowl of vinaigrette. Stir that together a little bit gently to keep the kind of pieces, that keep them whole, and let it cool in the vinaigrette so that that's what, even though we've destroyed the cell wall structure by boiling it, it still has a little bit of that sponginess left, which is the feature we want to absorb this vinaigrette. There's more detail to the recipe. That pickle is an excellent addition to any meal as a small thing to eat between bites of dinner. The Italians have an understanding, perhaps not peer-reviewed, of digestion and eating, which has kind of been a little bit of a lost art and maybe even a lost custom, mostly everywhere. But it is, you know, eat that, make that, eat that with, say, uh, well, pretty much anything. You know, you got Vila Sabuco, or you've got eggplant parmesan. That's kind of funny. Um, anything at all, anything heavy and rich, and this, and this is weird, even though it's acidic, that pickle part does, it, it works. I don't know how. It just, it works. It just makes dinner taste better. Eggplant is a great vehicle for flavors. Texture is mostly the same unless you fry it. Oh, and peeled, thinly sliced rounds of breaded and fried eggplant make an excellent topping on a pizza. No kidding. Years ago, a pizza joint in Sanford, Florida, Vivona's, made an eggplant pizza, and I still remember it. I can't verify if Vivona's is still open. Well, you can make your own. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. And if you go that far, eggplant pizza, make more and use that eggplant for an eggplant grinder. Make sure you have spectacular marinara and really good provolone cheese. Melt that under the broiler a little bit with a really good hoagie roll. Oh, you won't be sorry. All right, folks, that's going to do it. I'll have the links I mentioned up on the show notes page, com slash 87. Of course, you know Father's Day is coming up. Get his spice inventory up to par or more with a great selection of single spices or spice mixes or jarred sauces from the savory spice. I have mentioned them before. I use them, and I'm impressed. My particular favorite for uh, my ground beef. So I grind my own chuck for burgers, and I sprinkle a fairly liberal amount of the Great Plains bison and beef rub, and then a lot of a lot of the Himalayan salt. And oh my gosh, it's so good! Make Dad happy with good ingredients, and he'll make you happy with good food. Use my affiliate link, culinarylibertarian.com slash savory spice, or click the banner on the show notes page. 
culinarylibertarian.com slash savoryspice for your spicy wants and needs. Also, call your congressman and senator and tell them you would like them to support the Prime Act. This is important legislation to free up our meat supply bottleneck. Have a good week, and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.